At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. Yeah, we are so grateful to have Matthew and have Kristen here. Are you guys grateful to have them here? Yes. Thank you to our worship team, people who serve and have been serving faithfully in this time, this gap between having a, a worship leader, a worship pastor here, and, uh, and just being able to stand in the gap. And I know we are so blessed here at Chesterfield because, man, you guys are pretty amazing. You could pat each other on the back and say, you know what, you're not too bad. And, and for our guests here, again, we are so excited that you are joining us, that you're here this morning. Everyone online, again, thank you for being here. And it's raining. It's been hot, hasn't it? Wow. My air conditioner went out for a moment, and uh, it was a scary moment. But we got it good. It's up and running I am so happy for modern inventions like AC. Thank you for our, all our HVAC people. We have a bunch of them here at our church. But let me jump in real quick. Has anyone ever heard the phrase YOLO? Okay, what does it mean? You only live once. Okay, and I'm, I'm showing my age here. Some of you, you're like, oh, you're so young. And some of you are like, you are old. Okay, who here thinks... That I'm old. Be honest. What students here, young people? Okay, you're, I know that we have some people that think I'm old. All right, I'm 34. Who here thinks I'm so young? Do we have some, wow, I'm a baby. Wow, I'm in my, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not a baby. I'm going to be 35 in November. That is, wow, I know. Wow, so much grace, okay? I'm so glad I'm loved here, all right? <laughs> so if you know YOLO, this was like 2012, 2013. It was coming on the scene. And, and my friends and I, we would always do something. And when it was a little sketchy, we'd yell YOLO, you know. <laughs> that was kind of our, our MO. We would, we would say, man, I don't know if this is going to work out. Or maybe we're like, you know, on a boat and we have a bunch uh, of tubes and we're like, man, this is dangerous, YOLO. And it was, it was our, our go-to statement, right? And, and when you think about that statement, you only live once. And, and I'm thinking back to times, specific times. I remember I was in, in New Mexico and I was jumping off this cliff into this raging river. And I was probably about 60 feet up. And I remember right before I jumped, I yelled YOLO because it's like, hey, you only live once, right? Let's make the most of it. And so here's the thing for us as Christ followers. The enemy does a great job convincing even us that we only live once. He does a spectacular job making us hold on tightly to things of this world. And we tend to forget that we don't live once. That, that we actually live eternal. And yes, absolutely. That this life that we are in right now is not the end. And so you think about the enemy. And the enemy, he's a deceiver, right? 
He steals, he kills, he destroys, he deceives. And I just want to put the definition up here for you to see that the definition of deceiver is one who tactfully leads someone into error. An imposter, one who succeeds with, look at that last statement, artful falsehood. That it's not just like, hey, let me just do something and hope it works. That is, it is artful. It's strategic. It's planned. And one of the best things he does is convince those who are in Christ that this is it. And those who are not in Christ that this is it. And we might not say, no, I get that. Logically, I get that. Cognitively, I get it. But does your life reflect it? And so when things pile up, and when things bubble to the top, it shows us signs that we're holding on too tightly to this world, and to the things of this world. I mean, I think about 1 Corinthians 15, 19, it says, And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Guys, we have in eternity, and what we have in our life now is, as the Word of God says, a vapor. It is so brief. But yet we live as if this is the eternal, and that's the temporary. And so I think about what we are living in today. Politically, nationally, internationally, what we're walking through. What I believe one of the biggest uh, pandemics, however you want to say it, is the mental health war that no one wants to talk about. And we're walking through so many things that, that we just go up in arms about. And I think it's okay to have a righteous anger. But we always need to remember that this is not our final destination. This is not it. And so as we talk today, and we have these, these weeks, three weeks in the summer, and I'm still new enough that I'm learning it. We have three weeks in the summer that we have these one and done sermons, right? So last week I was talking about, hey, we got to go make disciples of all the nations. And this week I really felt the conviction that we need to talk about this big idea, this statement, this life is not the end. It's not it. And if we look in the Word and we look in the text of the Bible, we have to be convinced of this, that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And if we're not careful... The enemy can convince us of something otherwise. Or maybe those in the, in the church, what I've seen a little trend in is, is kind of a universalistic Christian walk. Where, yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I believe in the cross. But ultimately, I believe all mankind will eventually be saved. And, and we need to be careful because that's just, that's just not the truth. And so I want to be reading in Revelation chapter 20. Yes, Revelation 20, second to last book 
or chapter of the Bible, and specifically verses 11 through 15. And, and there's a lot here, but I want to set it up real quick. If you have read Revelation 20 before, all of Revelation before, um, you know that it is the end, right? It's what we call end times, and you get to see these prophetic words of the Apostle John. And essentially, I want to simplify it because I'm not looking to get into a debate with end times, with believing this or that, because ultimately there is so much to unpack. But let's just go big picture for now. And when it comes down to the essentials of revelation, it is good versus evil. Right? If you look at it 10,000 feet up, it is good versus evil. And then eventually, we see good and evil collide. And when they collide, and we see different ways that they collide, but when we see this last collision, we see in Revelation chapter 20 that, that Satan goes on to battle God. And, and in this text... There's this buildup, right? The entire book of Revelation, and it ends with this last battle. And, and here's the thing about this battle. You feel like because of cinematic reasons, the movies we watch, all that, you think it's going to be this, this buildup, this, this epic battle. But, but the reality is it's over before it even begins. I think about the, the fight Mike Tyson. Anyone here like boxing? Mike Tyson, he battled Marvis Frazier in a heavyweight boxing match. It was only, uh, the match was a total of 30 seconds. It was over before it began. And, and that's what's happening in this final battle. There's no chance, there's, there's no competition because it's already done. God has declared it in his word and that's something we could, we could celebrate, we could praise because he delivered the final knockout punch. But then what happens next? And that's a part where I want to focus on because what happens next is so important for every single person in this room. And so let's jump into it. Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 through 15. This is what it says. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So we already said that this life is not the end, right? And what we observe here 
is so important. I just want to take these observations, and we could take parts of this, and we can dig in and exegete and talk for like 10 weeks, but I just want to give you guys a picture of what's happening here after this great battle between, between Satan and God. And what we first see in the scene is we will stand before a great white throne. So I want that to sink in for a second. All right? I'm under the lights. I don't need my name in lights. Okay? I'm under the lights. I'm going to lean in. And so now I can see some faces. I see some smiles. I see some cries. I see some head nods. Oh, my back. See, I am old. Okay? Um, every person in this room will stand before the great white throne. Not a single one of us are exempt. To the saved and the unsaved. And what we see here before the great white throne is incredible. You know, a throne symbolizes power and and rule and, and dominion as a king And it's called the great white throne because this throne is greater than any earthly throne. It's called white because white symbolizes purity, holiness, and in this case, the one who sits on the throne. If you go back all the way to Revelation chapter 3 verse 21, it shows us plainly That Jesus is the one who sits on the great white throne. Jesus is the one there. And this throne is so holy and pure that even earth and sky flee from its presence. You know, you you got to put yourself in this picture. The earth, since the fall of man, has been contaminated with sin. You know, we have thorns and thistles and murder and theft and deceit and hate and jealousy and lust. Even the beautiful earth we live in has been contaminated with the sin of the world. So the world is getting ready for a new heaven and a new earth. Things are about to change. The old order of earth and sky, it it gives way to to this new order, a permanent one, a place where there's no evil and there's no sin. It's a renovation, a making of new in the presence of the great white throne. And then we have the dead. (laughs) All the way from (laughs) Adam to the last person who died a physical death. And, and this is, ain't a zombie apocalypse. This ain't the walking dead, right? This ain't no TWD, right? This is every single person who has ever lived. So imagine the scene. And then Christ is seated Upon the great white throne. And he's surrounded by tens and thousands of angels. And right 
in front of him gathered is every single person. Just imagine that multitude. It's hard to think, right? And, and it's important for us to remember, no exceptions. Every single person, a number that cannot be counted, small, great, rich, poor, everyone will stand before the judgment seat of God. And, and us, you think about us, we could be there standing next to, you know, Amelia Earhart. We could be standing next to, to Billy Graham. We could be standing next to Johnny Cash. We could be standing next to our, our papa or grandma or our spouse that died too young or, or, or our children. We could be standing next to them, Christian or not. And so there's this great white throne. And then we see that books were opened. And, and in those books, there was another book that we read in verse 12 is the book of life. And so in this, I want to explain real quick. And I'm going to, again, I'm showing my age a lot today, um, again. But, but has anyone here used a checkbook? Right? Okay. Yes, I've read about them in history books. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm so sorry. All right. Um, so we got, we got checkbooks. And, and my mom used to have this thing. And it used to spin up like that. And it used to have addresses in, I think it's called line of land, or landline, that's it, landlines. And, okay, I'm out, dude. Um, and so you have these, these checkbooks, and you, you have all these things that, that you use to remember, right? Uh, why? It's, we have some business owners here, or some people that own businesses, and you understand this. You need to have your, your, your books in order, right? Why do we have to have this ledger? These ledgers. It, proof. It's because we forget. I don't remember what I bought a week ago. I don't even remember what shoes I'm wearing. Okay? Like, those are things. We are humans and we forget. And so the point of these books are, are to help us keep an accurate budget, to prepare for taxes, to, to maintain organized records. You know, it gives us peace of mind. And if we don't have that, we tend to run into trouble. Why? Because we are forgetful. Every detail, transaction, it, it gives us a journey of accuracy. And so in this moment where books are opened... It's to preserve an account of the deeds of people. And so people can say, okay, is it a literal or figurative book? And really, it's more, I believe, this is a Winston thing, I believe it's to help us see a holy ledger. But we know God does not need a ledger because he's infallible, he's perfect. He has accurate memory of knowledge because he's sitting on the great white throne. He doesn't need a book, but it helps us see that, that this is a ledger of good and bad. This is a ledger of deeds. And so when we're before that throne, we need to know that books will be opened. I love how uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says it. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. 
We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. And, and so when I, when I say this, and, and maybe this is just me, maybe this is a Winston thing, but, but I tend at times to even get worried because I know how sinful of a person I am, right? Like, okay, I, I know Jesus saved me. I know he saved my sins. But also, man, after, I, when I stand before the throne, it's going to be scary if he, if he has all my deeds. And we tend to forget that God remembers all. We tend to highlight and focus on the bad. Christ remembers all. He remembers that time you took the phone, answered the phone late at night when you had nothing left to give, but you just knew you needed to be there for a friend. God will remember the time you paid for the meal of the person sitting behind you or standing behind you. God will remember each week you served uh, opening doors or, or serving in the cafe or teaching children about Jesus. God will remember those times. He'll remember the time that you helped your neighbor, maybe mowed their lawn when they were gone, took their trash can up to the door, fed their pets, encouraged them, let them loan out a couple tools. God will remember in that moment when you chose not to gossip. When you chose to, to shut your mouth when everyone else was talking about that person, whether they deserved it or not, God will remember how you raised your children in Christ or how you persistently try to get people to know your story. God will remember when, when you gave generously. God will remember when you chose not the path of popularity. God will remember when you served at Habitat for Humanity. Or Compassion, Compassion Pregnancy Center. Or the, the food pantry. God will remember that you loved your enemies and prayed for those who persecute you. God will remember that you chose to forgive your father even though he did not deserve it one lick. God will remember that you showed up at the doorstep to the person who wasn't answering your calls. God will remember when you smiled at that individual who just looked so heavy, so angry, so much in pain. God will remember when you begged your friend not to give up on their marriage. God will remember it all. The ones whose names are written in the book of life the book that contains the name to the redeemed, the book of life, it is, is a citizen registry of heaven. Revelation 3.5 says, we'll never erase their names from the book of life. But then there's a flip side. For those who are not redeemed, and have lived sinful lives, have not repented, there's tragedy. So I want to ask a question, and, and, and I get it. I don't know everyone's story in this room. I mean, there might be people in here who've been following Jesus from elementary school, and there might be people in here who have zero desire at all to even hear this message or be in this building. When you 
stand before that great white throne, how are you going to fare on that day? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Now we talk a lot about Jesus, and rightfully so. Jesus died for you. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're confused. Jesus died for you. He redeemed you. It came at a heavy cost. And all you have to do is repent and believe. We are saved by grace through faith. Even these deeds, this is just evidence uh, of our salvation. Because no amount of deeds save us. We are saved by grace through faith. These are just, as I say often, windows to our redemption. Windows that, that we have been changed. And so when you think about heaven or hell, that's the last thing we see here. So we have this, this throne, this great white throne, and Jesus is seated at the throne. And then there's books that are open and the book of life. And then after that, it's heaven and, and it's hell. The redeemed, as we see, they go to heaven and we see in heaven a beautiful image of what that looks like. We see in Revelation 21 what heaven will be. And it's a beautiful image because we see that there's a new heaven and a new earth. And then all the old things have passed away. This holy city, this new Jerusalem. And it was coming down from heaven, from God. And one of my favorite pieces of scripture is, is what is said next. And that is that you'll hear a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. We finally get to be with God fully. And it says, and I think it's no coincidence, in verse 4, that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You got any criers in this room? Yep. I wonder why God says that he'll wipe away tears. We're a bunch of crybabies, right? <laughs> he knows. Man, he loves us. He'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. And death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And the one who was sitting on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. It's a trustworthy statement. Notice he's still seated. I said this probably a couple months ago. He wasn't up there anxious, like, Oh man, is this all going to work? Is it all going to work? I've been waiting. No, he's seated, he's relaxed. Because he knows that it's already finished. And so for us, we get to be in heaven and encourage that there's no more crying or mourning or death. That all things are made new. No more bearing loved ones. No more watching the news about the latest murder. All things are made new. And then the second part, 
is hell. The ones who are not redeemed will experience what's called the second death. The first death was physical. The, the second death will be spiritual. And it says in, in verse 15, And if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. If you go back even five verses in this battle with God and Satan, it says, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You, you notice here, hell doesn't belong to Satan. So many people think in their mind, oh, okay, well, Satan runs hell, it, it's his thing. No, it doesn't belong to Satan. It actually belongs to God. And, and we see here that it's not what we would call a, a ceasing to exist or annihilation. That, that people who go will receive an eternal punishment. And so I know, again, this is one of those things that sink into uh, churches today where people tend to not believe in hell or, or even believe that it's, that it's temporary. But no matter where we stand on the great white throne and, and the book of life and heaven and hell, it all comes down to this. All humans will someday experience judgment to determine their eternal existence. We choose who and what will follow. We've got to make a choice. You know, there's a story, uh, George Washington Carver, and uh, he was a famous scientist that developed hundreds of useful products uh, from peanuts. And he shared this story. He said, when I was young, I, I said to God, uh, God, tell me the mystery of the universe. And God answered me and said, that, that knowledge is reserved for me alone. So I said, God, tell me the mystery of the peanut. And then God said, well, George, that's more nearly your size. Then he told me, you know, our wisdom, our, our intellect, our, our overall knowledge in this life is, is but a peanut in the sight of godly wisdom. That's why we must always be in his word. That's why we must always pursue him and remember his truths that he desires all people to be saved. Every single person on this planet and, and we're all in need of that salvation because this life guys it's not the end you know we're gonna have this final song here in just a moment and I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back on stage but I just want to have a family talk for a moment and, and the reason why a family talks is because sometimes uh, we need to be reminded in this life, we can't escape hurt. We can't escape pain. We can't escape some people we love who battle addiction, or maybe ourselves. We can't escape our fallen nature. We can't escape, at times, financial struggle. We, we can't escape a, a politician who we, who we don't align with, or a gas price that continues to hike or just inflation in general. We, we can't escape 
that there will be troubles in this world. And sometimes we are so focused on the dirt and the sticks and the mud of this earth that we forget to look up. And sometimes it helps me when I'm so lost and, and have tunnel vision of things of this, of this earth. Sometimes I imagine God just saying, hey, lift your head up. Your jewels of this earth are but sticks to the crown you're going to receive. And so guys, lift your head. This life is not the end. Whatever we're battling, it's not going to be eternal. The physical pains, it will be gone. Because there's another life waiting for us. How are you going to fare before that great white throne? Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.